Life is like a game of Monopoly. You begin with very little more than an opportunity and a handful of cash. You roll the dice and are faced with circumstances that require your decision. You attempt to avoid the landmines of the game. You buy, sell, and trade. Finally, the game ends with whatever you've managed to accumulate. Of course, once the game ends, you give it all back and a new generation of players take their seats. The wisest earthly king of all time was Israel's King Solomon, the son of David. Solomon and his people accumulated great wealth and power, but they all died nearly 3,000 years ago and gave it all back. The next generation stood up to take their place. Everyone leaves the game board with nothing, unless, that is, they have sent something on ahead. At the end of Solomon's tour of great accumulation, he came to the stark conclusion penned in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment whether with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Imagine, you can still send great wealth on ahead, even your very soul. This transferal of monopoly money, this transferal of this earthly vapor called life, this unfathomable ability to transfer this carnal fleeting experience into eternal wealth is obtained by a miracle, the greatest miracle of all time. The Lord Jesus Christ calls this miracle born again, and it literally means born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. At this place, Old things pass away, and all things become new. Have you been born again? Will today be your day for a new sinless and shameless beginning? Your time has arrived to transfer this empty vanity into eternal glory. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 14 and 15, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it, that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Man said, Jesus died a naked, disgraced pauper. I don't need that kind of leadership. Remember, he who dies with the most toys wins. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 869 that will once again confirm the perfect supernatural inerrancy of God's Holy Bible found in the majority text authorized King James Version of the Word of God. All of these glorious features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the building up of the faith and as a light for those who sit in darkness. Be sure to take advantage of these powerful features. 1. You have questions? God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword into the search bar top right and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. 2. Use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It is so quick and easy. Three, imagine you can download nearly 325 hours of God said, man said features to your electronic device. Listen to one every day. Thank you for coming.
May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. Carnal men clamor for proof that God and his book are truth. But the truth is that truth is the last thing carnal men want. Their noise is simply a cloak to cover their sin. Jesus said, John chapter 3, 19 and 20, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. This is part two in this series that will beyond any reasonable doubt prove that God is that he authored the scriptures, and that his inerrant truth will judge all men, excuse me, at the coming great white throne judgment. Feature number one offered 20 marvelous God proofs, and this feature begins at number 21. Thousands of years before man's vaunted science begins to discover the truth, they discover that God's word was already there. Proof follows. Number 21, Genesis. Chapter 1, 24 through 25. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. What God calls kind, evolutionists call species, claiming that species have evolved from one common single-celled creature. Yet after searching through over a quarter of a billion fossils, evolutionists have yet to find a link between the species. Evolutionary scientists speak concerning these gaps, and W. R. Byrd's book, The Origin of the Species Revisited, Volume 1, scientists quoted Dobshansky, Aelia, Stebbins, Valentine, White, Romer, Swinton, Gould, Eldreds, Russell, Simpson, Simmons, and Zuckerman. Here's what they had to say. The evolutionary tree begins with the gap between Protista and the animal kingdom Metazoa, which is so great that the origin of Metazoa is still obscure. The next branch of the tree is fishes that have their origins firmly based in nothing, and then between fish and amphibians, is a broad evolutionary gap not bridged by fossil materials. For the next generation, there is no fossil evidence of the stages through which the remarkable change from reptile to bird was achieved. Archaeopteryx fossils do not count. In the limb to mammals, missing links have for the most part remained missing, and for all 32 mammal orders, in most cases the break is so sharp and the gap so large that the origin of the order is speculative and much disputed. Move to the top of the tree. In spite of recent findings, the time and place of prime of order primates remain shrouded in mystery, and man evolved from some ape-like creature without leaving any fossil traces of the steps of the transition. End of quote. Search as they may, it is still as God said, after his kind. Number 22, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. 
The biological, sociological order was established by God at creation, that a man and a woman should come together sexually and spiritually in a place called marriage, have children, and raise a family. As the old bumper sticker reads, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, all the world's psychological wrangling will not change God's design. Number 23, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day, and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. God establishes life's rhythm in the number seven, which is the number of Christ, where the redeemed rests from the works of the flesh. There is a scientific discipline known as chronobiology, which is the research into how living things handle time. It has discovered, among a plethora of other things, that countless hormones crucial to human life processes—excuse me—crucial uh, to human life processes are directed by an unseen conductor's hand in predictable biological rhythms. Although secretions happen within ultradian and circadian time frames, they appear to occur in seven-day cycles. Perry and Dawson, authors of the book The Secrets Our Body Clocks Reveal, reported the following. Weekly rhythms, known in chronobiology as, circa, as circoseptin rhythms, are among the most puzzling and fascinating findings of chronobiology. At first glance, it might seem that weekly rhythms developed in response to the seven-day week imposed by human culture thousands of years ago. However, this theory doesn't this theory, excuse me, doesn't hold once you realize that plants, insects, and animals other than humans also have weekly cycles. Biology, therefore, not culture, is probably at the source of our seven-day week. A week. Jeremy Campbell, chronobiologist, refers to the father of chronobiology, Franz Halberg. Franz Halberg proposes that body rhythms of about seven days, far from being passively driven by the social cycle of the calendar week, are innate, autonomous, and perhaps the reason why the calendar week arose in the first place. End of quotes. And God blessed the seventh day. Number 24, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This passage describes a biological design that only the Creator would have understood. Today's science just now confirms. Except in emergencies, when heavenly congested, when exercising rigorously or yawning, we were designed to breathe through our nostrils. The nostrils prepare the air of the lungs by removing foreign particles of dust and other contaminants from it and by warming and humidifying it. Breathing through the nostrils is also very important for the proper mix of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the blood and overall general health. The scriptures record that life is in the blood and the nostrils play a critical part. According to an article titled Optimal Breathing, on the internet at www.breathing.com, nose breathing 24 hours per day is important if you desire a long and healthy life. The following excerpts are from that article. The lungs are a primary control of our energy level. They extract the oxygen from the air we breathe primarily on the exhale. Because the nostrils are smaller than the mouth, air exhaled through the nose creates back pressure when one exhales. 
It slows the air escape, so the lungs have more time to extract oxygen from them. When there is proper oxygen-carbon dioxide exchange, the blood will maintain balanced pH. If carbon dioxide is lost too quickly, as in mouth breathing, oxygen absorption is decreased. And again, the article states, Lessening of the common cold is another good reason for nose breathing. The mucus, white blood cells that kill germs, a membrane lining the nose extends all the way from the inner lining of the nostrils down the trachea to the bronchia that directly enters the lungs. Germs get caught and die in the mucus. End of quotes. God breathed up the nostrils. Number 25, Genesis 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Did ancient non-biblical tribes and nations understand that there was once an earthly paradise known as the Garden of Eden? According to Haley's Bible handbook, other traditions of the fall of man include the Persian. Our first parents, innocent, virtuous, and happy, lived in a garden where there was a tree of immortality until an evil spirit in the form of a serpent appeared. End of quote. Biblical scholars have offered several areas for the original Garden of Eden. David Raw, author of Pharaohs and Kings, a book that was the basis of a January 1996 series on the Learning Channel, is also author of Legend, The Genesis of Civilization Today, which was published in 1998. In Raw's book, he has this to say, Wouldn't it be nice to find the actual location of the real Garden of Eden? In theological circles, it would be a discovery that would equal that of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, guess what? Archaeologist David Rowe claims to have found the site described in Genesis as Eden and a lush valley beneath an extinct volcano in northern Iran. The Jerusalem Post, February 1, 1999, broke the story in the article, Paradise Found. It says, Ten miles from the sprawling Iranian industrial city of Tabriz to the northwest of Tehran, says British archaeologist David Rowe, he has found the site of the biblical garden. As you descend a narrow mountain path, you see a beautiful alpine valley, just like the Bible describes it, with terraced orchards on its slopes, crowded with every kind of fruit-laden tree, says Rawls, a scholar of the University College of London, who has just returned from his third trip to the area where mud-brick villages flourish today. End of quotes. Number 26, Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Something spiritual and biological happens when a man and a woman come together inside the marriage union. A special oneness occurs that biologists have begun to understand. Douglas Fox, U.S. News & World Report, October 21, 2002. Frequent coupling between partners requiring long-term relationships may inoculate mothers to accept foreign genes, ensuring complete pregnancies and the survival of the human species. Disregard the erroneous allusion to the evolution of human sexuality, but take special note of the statement, frequent coupling between partners requiring long-term relationships may inoculate mothers to accept foreign genes ensuring complete pregnancies and the survival of the human species. This one-mate long-term relationship is emphasized over and over again in this feature article. Again, the article reports, under normal circumstances, the mother's immune system wouldn't tolerate a foreign body setting up shop inside her, but miraculously in pregnancy it does. 
According to the emerging theory, this is partly because before pregnancy occurs, repeated exposure to the father's semen allows her immune system to learn to recognize his foreign genes. There are millions of sperm cells, explains Gustav Decker, a high-risk pregnancy specialist at the University of Adelaide, but only one will fertilize the egg. The purpose of the other sperm is to give the message to the mother's immune system that some foreign genes mean no harm. This diplomatic overture occurs with each act of intercourse. For many hours after steamy entanglement gives way to dreamy drowsiness, the encounter continues to play out on a microscopic scale. excuse me. White blood cells from the woman's immune system scour her cervix for the man's foreign proteins, even entire sperm cells, back to her lymph nodes where her immune system gradually learns to recognize and tolerate them. We think that's really a key to the whole immunological process, says Tremelin, and the quote, dealing with the concept of the reproductive process and the idea of one long-term sexual partner, Tremelin also said, until recently, I don't think we had any idea that ongoing sexual contact had any biological advantage, end of quotes. God said, and they shall be one flesh. Number 27, Genesis 2:25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Haley reports of the ancient non-biblical Greek account of this verse. It says, the first men in the golden age were naked, free from evil and trouble, enjoyed communion with the gods. Number 28, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Satan added one word and a question mark, to bring about all the bondage and all the world's evil you see today. His M.O. has remained the same. Satan will continue to prepare, uh, parade before the sons of Adam his champions of unbelief. However, they will fail, as they have always failed, without exception. Every book ever written must bow before the Word of God, because Revelation 19.13 says, and his name, speaking of Jesus, is called the Word of God. The Word of God is a person. Number 29, Genesis 3, verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Scientists were left quizzical. How could it be possible that male DNA is found in the female brain? Eve was made as a helpmeet for Adam, and her desire would be to him. How did male DNA get in the female brain? Eve was made out of Adam's rib. Number 30, Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, And Cain knew his wife. And she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Skeptics question, where did Cain get his wife? Genesis 5.4, in the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. Cain married his sister. According to Jewish tradition, Adam and Eve bore 53 children. 31. Genesis 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. 
These pre-Noah sons of God, non-earthly beings, fell from their first estate, Jude chapter 1, verse 6, and what was would most likely be the gods of ancient literature, often attributed to mythology. Number 32, Genesis seven seventeen through 20. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole earth were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. There are fish fossils on every mountain peak in the world. Number 33, Genesis 7, verse 4. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Flood strata cover approximately 75% of the earth's surface. The vast majority of unearthed fossils were made from creatures who were destroyed by water action. Number 34, Genesis 7, verse 11. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. Ocean floor rifts are found all over the world. Number 35, Genesis 6, 5 through 8. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Nearly 500 ancient non-biblical societal records tell the story of Noah's flood. Number 36, Genesis, chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. Today's sea level is 300 feet higher than in ancient times. If the face of the earth were smooth like a ball, water would loom about the earth by two miles deep. Number 37, Genesis six fourteen through 16. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Engineers discovered that the dimensions of the ark made it nearly impossible to flip. God, the ultimate engineer, gave dimensional ratio to Noah, and it is still utilized by shipbuilders today. Number 38, Genesis 8, verse 4, And the ark rested in the seventh month. On the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. The descent of mankind is from Ararat and not Africa. Geneticists have come to the possibility that God's word may be true. Number 39, Genesis 7, 17 through four, uh, 20, excuse me. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. 
And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Archaeologist David Roll writes concerning the flood and Sir Leonard Woolley in his book Legend, The Genesis of Civilization. During his famous excavations at the ancient Sumerian city of Ur, between the years 1928 and 1934, Sir Leonard Woolley unearthed a thick alluvial silt deposit between a deep down beneath the modern surface of the site. At first it appeared that his workmen had reached virgin soil, upon which the earliest settlement at Ur had been built. But the clean zone of the silt at the bottom of the excavation pit still appeared to be several meters above the surrounding ground level beyond the ruined mound. Woolley was not convinced by his foreman's protestations that their work was finished in the sounding and that it was pointless for him to dig deeper. I do not like having my theories upset by anything less than proof. I told the man to get back and go on digging. Most unwillingly he did so, again turning up nothing but clean soil that yielded no sign of human activity. He dug through eight feet of it in all, and, and then suddenly there appeared flint implements and fragments of painted Eubane uh, pottery vessels. I got into the pit once more, examined the sides, and by the time I had written up my notes was quite convinced of what it all meant, but I wanted to see whether others would come to the same conclusion. So I brought up two of my staff, and after pointing out the facts, asked for their explanation. They did not know what to say. My wife came along and looked and was asked the same question, and she turned away, remarking casually, Well, of course, it's the flood. Woolley later describes his discovery as 11 feet of clean, water-laid silt within which no uh, archaeological artifacts could be found. This was in direct contrast to the levels immediately above and below the deposit, which were litter, littered with pottery sherds. Analysis of this pottery showed that the sterile layer lay on top of the high-quality Ubaid three pottery phase and within the very last pottery phase of the Ubaid period. In other words, this flood layer almost immediately preceded the York period. It was clear that the agent which brought the sedimentation was water. Microscopic analysis proved that it was water laid subject to the action of gentle currents, and it was composed of material brought down from the middle reaches of the Euphrates. End of quote. Number 40. Genesis chapter 9, verse 2. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. God has built into the animal world the fear and dread of man. The concept of animal fear is addressed in an article titled, Thinking the Way Animals Do, by Temple Grandin, Ph.D., of the Department of Animal Science, Colorado State University. The article was found in the November 1997 issue of Western Horseman. Concerning genetic design, Dr. Grandin had this to say, In all animals, both genetic factors and experience determine how an individual will behave in a fear-provoking situation. Fearfulness is a stable characteristic personality of temperament in animals, end of quote. 
Note that fear is a stabilizing genetic factor of the animal's created design. In other words, fear and dread were built in at God's command, end of quotes. The redeemed are required to build their lives, including their eternal lives, on the very Word of God. Keep in mind that God's Word is a person. God's Word is spirit and life. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The commandment to us is to prove all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Let there be no question in your mind. The word of God is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 1.1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Ecclesiastes chapter 3.14 and 15, I know that, Whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. Man said, Jesus died a naked, disgraced pauper. I don't need that kind of leadership. Remember, he who dies with the most toys wins. Now you have the record.